Cause I see things ain't what it seems Swimming just from one side Is you trying to make waves? Oh, you just gonna play? Is you trying to make waves? Oh, you just gonna play? guys welcome back to block channel we're back for episode 48 and this is going to be a little bit different than our normal episodes that we do on the show um we've got a little bit of a change up so instead of having someone directly from the cryptocurrency community we have someone who's kind of working tangentially away from the uh, crypto community but has very similar ideals um to us and sort of like really understands where technology is going to be pushing economies forward how that's going to like change societies. And so, you know, since we're really focused on like the socioeconomic, sociopolitical um, implications of cryptocurrencies, blockchains, governance, uh, it's important to talk to someone in, directly from the political space. So, you know, I was uh, got, got lucky and was able to speak to a gentleman named Andrew Yang. And Andrew Yang is a presidential candidate who is gunning for uh, 2020 um, here in the U.S., and since I was able to meet him in person, we really connected and, and really understood like kind of like where things are going in, in the United States and, and what are some of the trials and tribulations that we face or will face and, and, and what we're going to need to do to prepare for those accordingly. So I had to have him on the show. And before we get into Andrew Yang and all his awesomeness, uh, let's just quickly introduce my co-host who's here with me today, uh, Dimitri Ferguson. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, please. Hello, audience members. Demetri Ferguson here again. If you don't know me, you could find me on the Bitcoin podcast, your favorite host, hopefully, host number two. And uh, I've got a slew of other po- uh, podcasts over there that I run. So happy to join you again, Stephen. As mm-hmm. always, let's get All into right. it. Thank you very much. And so, like I said, we're here with presidential candidate Andrew Yang, which is just one really cool to say out loud, anyways. And um, so, you know, let's. So, what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and communicate who he is. I've I've, I've met this gentleman in person and I've I've soaked in his charisma and uh, it's infectious. So, let's see how that, uh, let's see how that translates uh, over the podcast webs. Um, So, Andrew, can you, without any further ado, can you give us a a backgrounder on who you are, sir, and how, how, how you ended up here today talking to us about your future run for potential presence? Well, thank you for having me, Stephen. I really appreciate it. so I'm Democratic candidate for president of the United States in 2020, and I'm a serial entrepreneur. Before this, I started an organization called Venture for America that uh, was intended to create thousands of jobs around the country. Uh, I started that in 2011 because I'd sold my education company and had seen that we had so many smart, ambitious young people doing the same jobs in the same places over and over again. And by that, what I meant was they were heading to Wall Street to becoming to become investment bankers or management consultants, or they're heading to Silicon Valley. And there were just a few visions of success. So I thought I, I wanted to change that in the uh, biggest way I could. So I started an organization that trained young people to go start and grow businesses in Detroit, New Orleans, Cleveland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and other cities around the country. I donated 120000 my own in 2011 to seed the organization and started calling rich friends and saying, hey, do you love America? And then the savvy among them asked, what does it mean if I say yes to that? And then I said, at least (laughs) $10,000. So this was the (laughs) fundraising pitch in 2011. Uh, And then uh, it grew and grew. And this past year, our budget was a little more than $6 million. We have thousands of applicants from around the country for hundreds of spots. And we've helped create about 3,000 jobs 
around the U.S. Uh, but while I was doing that work, I realized that we were automating away jobs uh, in the hundreds of thousands and even millions, and that my small army of urban entrepreneurs was not going to be able to stem that tide. Uh, to me, the reason why Donald Trump won the presidency in 2016 is that we automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and the other swing states between 2000 and 2015. And unfortunately, as many of the listeners to this podcast know, we're about to double down on that and get rid of millions of jobs in retail, truck driving and transportation, call centers, food prep, and on and on through the economy. And so the reason I'm running for pres the, uh, the presidency today is that I believe we have to evolve to the next stage of capitalism, starting with universal basic income and then changing the measurements of our economy to correspond to things that will actually help push our society forward. And uh, I'm here today because I found myself to be so aligned with the cryptocurrency community in terms of my vision for where we have to go. Uh, mm. And when I, whenever I've met someone from the community, they've had a real mindset of abundance, of the future, of possibility. And every single one of them has agreed with uh, the fact that we need universal basic income in the United States. So it's a real pleasure to be here and would love to help push the rest of the country towards the future that you all are building. Uh, well, thank you so much. I think that was extremely succinct. So thank you for that history. And you obviously you've been working really hard and I, I can appreciate another patriot from patriot to patriot on just kind of just the looking at our country, seeing seeing its 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 stagnation, seeing seeing where jobs are going and just wanting to put your pedal to the metal of the, you know, the and just like and get get the ball rolling. And it sounds to me as if you kind of see where a lot of the disengagements are between like just like the American person and kind of what they really need right now. And from that you have like honed in on this universal basic income platform. So so maybe you can just like uh, give us a quick briefer on kind of the advantages of universal basic income and like how you think it will be helping like the average American citizen. Yeah. So universal basic income, if you haven't heard of it, is a policy mm -hmm. where every member of a society gets a certain amount of money to meet basic needs, free and clear, no questions asked. So my mm -hmm. plan, the freedom dividend, would give every American adult $1,000 a month uh, every month for ever between the ages of 18 and 64. And there are many, many positive things to receiving this money. It increases children's nutrition, graduation rates, improves their mental health, reduces domestic violence, hospital visits, uh, depression. Um, it's going to help create four and a half million new jobs by pumping uh, buying power into towns and communities around the country. It's going to grow the consumer economy by about $2 trillion or 12%. Uh, and on the human level, fundamentally, it's going to help us progress in terms of how we see both work and value in our society, where people will then be able to breathe a little bit and reflect on what kind of work they actually want to do, um, which is where we need to go as a, as a country and as a people. Because if you look at our current measurement of GDP, it's going to keep going up and up to the moon, even as more and more Americans get left behind. And if you start looking at measurements like uh, mental health and freedom from substance abuse or life expectancy, you start seeing that our way of life is disintegrating. 
where seven Americans are dying of drugs every hour. Our life expectancy has declined for two straight years due to both drug overdoses and an incredible surge in suicides among middle-aged Americans. And our labor force participation rate has fallen to 62.7%, which is the same level as El Salvador and the Dominican Republic. No knock on those countries, but they're not the cops you want if, you wanna, if you're talking about labor force participation. So most Americans aren't even aware uh, of how bad things are getting for many, many people because our measurements uh, are wrong. And so we need to start measuring the right thing, the right things. And universal basic income is a big step to getting people's heads up so that we can start focusing on um, the more serious problems. So give us so, some of the give us give us an idea of some of the reactions that that you uh, received during your travels here in the U.S. about you know proposing to people the universal basic income. Like how are they reacting to this? Is it positive? Is it uh, standoffish? What's what's the full suite? Yeah, it must Guys, be a difficult thing to communicate. It's very nuanced. Um, you know, so what I tell people um, is that this law passed the House of Representatives in 1971 under Richard Nixon. Martin Luther King was for it. Milton Friedman was for it. A thousand economists signed a letter saying it would be great for the economy and society. Most people had no idea that that was ever the case, but that was on, this, this was on the table. And uh, the reason it stalled in the Senate was that Democrats wanted a higher income threshold. And someone in Democratic politics back then, who's quite old now, said to me that this was the biggest mistake the Democrats ever made, that if they had just taken this deal, there'd be an income floor that was worth about $30,000 for a family of four today. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything would have been different between 1971 and now. We would have alleviated uh, untold human misery um, and unlocked a lot of human potential. But unfortunately, they missed that opportunity. Um, universal basic income did go into effect um, in a, a particular form in Alaska in 1982, where today in Alaska, every resident gets between one and two thousand dollars a year from petroleum money. And that's a deep red conservative state. Uh, it was implemented by a Republican governor and it's wildly popular. It's created thousands of jobs. It's improved children's nutrition and it has lowered income inequality. So you're totally right. Stephen, that people at first are like, no way, that sounds far mm -hmm. out. It's mm -hmm. like, a, you know, a, a, an Asian guy saying, give everyone money. Like, isn't that interesting? But fancy. I trust you. I trust you, Andrew. I take your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there, there was a rapper in Atlanta who tweeted something that I think could come, become very important over time. And what he tweeted was, I don't know who Andrew Yang is, but he wants to give me $1,000 a month. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so if enough people realize that in a democracy, there's absolutely nothing stopping us from voting ourselves a dividend, uh, then we will be um, hard to beat, let's say, because well, as the, the as American the people. As, as the conservative here, as I was, I was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, okay, to kind of put things into perspective here. So let me let me pay, play the conservative contrarian card here. And just ask you the most obvious question that obviously people are going to echo back throughout yourself and your campaign if you continue to be successful, which is how are you going to afford to give away free money? Explain to me that in a very in like in the most succinct way as you can, as if I was like you're just like your normal average everyday citizen. And I want to understand how you can actually give me money, whereas previously, why did anyone else do it before? 
why didn't Obama do that? You know, like, well, what is this differentiator and how can this actually come to be? Yes. So for reference, our economy is at $19 trillion, mm-hmm. um, richest in history, up $4 trillion in the last 10 years. Our federal budget is about $4 trillion. Mm-hmm. The headline cost of giving every adult $1,000 a month is a little more than $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. So that's the order of magnitude we're talking about. Got it. Now, $2 trillion sounds like an awful lot. But then when you start to break it down, you find that we currently spend between five and six hundred billion on over a hundred welfare programs, food stamps, housing assistance, disability, income support um, of various kinds. Now, my plan is not to uh, to replace all of that stuff, uh, but my plan is to say the freedom dividend, this thousand dollars a month, is opt in, and if you opt mm. into it, then it will replace your current benefits. So if someone's receiving less than $1,000, it'd be a no-brainer that they mm-hmm. take the $1,000. If they're getting Got more it. than $1,000, then they probably will not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the plan the plan is to like slowly draw people into this alternative improved system. Yes, but okay. if, you, if you look at the headline cost, it does go down um, by almost $500 billion because there are a lot of Americans who are either already receiving benefits of almost $1,000 um, or will not need the thousand dollars because they're already receiving let's say disability of 12 or 1300 so your 2.1 trillion then goes down to about 1.6 trillion because it's not quite as expensive since a lot of people are already receiving benefits of various forms the second big move you have to make is that if you look at our economy right now um, the big beneficiaries of artificial intelligence software automation are going to be a handful of very large technology companies that are great at not paying a lot of taxes So this is like Amazon, Google, um, Uber, those types of companies um, where Amazon and Google might move earnings through Ireland and then say, hey, we didn't make any money this quarter. And so the problem for the American people is that we want to spend this money, but the tech companies aren't really going to give it to us without a structural change. Mm -hmm. So the, the structural change we have to make is we have to implement a value added tax which is something that every other major economy except for us already has because it's a much more effective generator of public revenue. Now, because our economy is up to $19 trillion, a value-added tax at half the European level would generate about $800 billion in new revenue. And it would be something that all the tech companies already do in other countries because, again, every other country except for us um, that has a significant economy already has this tax in place. So in our case, we're taking that money and we're channeling it directly the American people. Now, if we pass this tax, we're down now down to about $800 billion for the freedom dividend. And here's where the magic kicks in, where if you give everyone in America $1,000, you're going to grow the consumer economy by about $2 trillion. And the U.S. government gets back 25% of that in uh, tax revenue, because when people start businesses, uh, go out and spend money, it ends up producing economic activity that produces new um, tax revenue for the government. So we get back 500 billion in new tax revenue. Um, So at this point, you've largely paid for the freedom dividend. And the last part is the part that people should get most excited about, is that studies have shown that if you alleviate poverty in the United States, it will produce 700 billion in new GDP through better children's uh, educational outcomes, health outcomes, worker productivity, lower hospital visits, Uh, lower rates of depression and anxiety, that you'd end up growing the economy significantly 
and you'd spend less money on the trillion dollars plus we already spend on incarceration, healthcare services, homelessness services. Because if you're giving people a thousand bucks a month, they're going to stay out of the emergency room more often. They're going to stay out of jail more often. And so you'll end up with this value multiplier that's going to be conservatively this last 300 billion, but it's probably going to be greater than that. Um, yeah, because it has like it has compounding effects, right? Yeah. So like as you make these variable improvements over time, we would seek to be paying less for the cost of like that upkeep. Yes, or the money we spend will be spent on something better. Yeah. It, it gets very, very expensive um, when people hit our institutions because our institutions are very inefficient and spend a lot of money. So yeah. uh, it's a much more efficient way uh, to keep someone functional because dysfunction is when things get very, very expensive. We're being very short-sighted in our approach to our own human capital. If you're a company, you're constantly investing in your people with the thought that if they become more productive, then you, the company, win. Now, what we have to do is we have to do the same thing with the citizens of the United States, where we're making investments in people. And then those investments will pay off many, many times what we're spending in all likelihood, um, almost certainly. But my model is very, very conservative and even um, calculating those benefits. Like I'm paying for most of it just through straightforward means. But the truth is, in my opinion, we're going to end up experiencing um, hundreds of billions of dollars in uh value-added growth um, by making people more functional. Nice. And the, the good thing is that over time, it's either exponential or logarithmic, but it's still an increase nevertheless. So what I'd like to do is is take it away from the numbers a little bit because, I mean, the numbers do make sense. Um, but I used to be a management consultant, by the way, back in the day. And it didn't matter how many times I would tell my clients, like, you know, you saved X dollars and then you project that annualized means you saved millions over this point in time, there's always a point in the conversation where they'd say, yeah, but it just doesn't feel as successful or it doesn't feel like it worked or, you know, how do I, you know, whatever the fact may be, make my management feel like, you know, they have an effect on these these numbers at the end of the day. So if we take it away from the numbers, how do you psychologically sell that to people that are going to say like, oh, this is just another form of welfare. Welfare equals spending more money. You know, there's there's going to be naysayers in the audience that think the last thing we need is more welfare. Uh, and especially because those naysayers probably don't even know what that welfare is comp comprised of. So what's your I guess what's your uh, rebuke to that? People saying, oh, well, this is the last thing we need is more handouts, per se. Well, I, I will say running for president as a Democrat um, means that I need to win over Democratic primary voters and Iowa and New Hampshire. And so they, they tend to be a little more open to uh, some of these solutions. Okay. Um, but it's also one reason why we named it the Freedom Dividend, um, because the, the goal is to present to the American people, we are the citizens and stakeholders of the most advanced society in the history of the world. And we can easily afford a $1,000 dividend for our citizens. And when mm -hmm. a company declares a dividend, everyone thinks that's great capital management. And we're mm -hmm. in a position to do the same thing right now here in the U.S., and if you trace the heritage of universal basic income, there's a very powerful conservative and libertarian um, strain of support for it because what libertarians hate is the notion that the government's going to make people's decisions. But libertarians like the thought of putting economic freedom in the hands of individuals and then letting them make their own decisions and having the government get out of the way. And that, that's a big component to this plan is that the government... Um, is really bad at a lot of things. 
Um, but one thing it's good at is sending large numbers of checks to large numbers of people promptly and reliably uh, on a timely basis. And so conservatives, again, Alaska approved this, and it was a Republican governor who was like, who would you rather get the money, you or the government that's going to screw it up? And then the Alaskan people were like, we'd rather get the money. And then everyone's like, yeah, and now everyone loves it. So, <laughs> the, so the, there is like this, this uh, case that needs to be made um, and some preconceptions that need to be overcome. Um, but one of my friends said that universal basic income is not left or right, it's forward, um, where this is going to be something of a scrambler or a reorienter for many people politically because it doesn't resemble uh, conventional welfare. Very nice. Very nice. Take that, naysayers. So, so what's 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 sort of the next um, the next step uh, in your campaign plans? Um, you know, as you're you're going around the United States and you're you're talking to people and shaking hands and kissing babies. Um, and, you know, I have and kissed some babies. I have <laughs> kissed some babies, and they smell delightful. <laughs> <laughs> what a presidential response! <laughs> so, so in relation to those beautiful smelling babies. Um, like what, uh, what, 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 what are some obstacles in front of you? Like obviously like campaign and fundraising and you're looking to the crypto community and you're looking for our assistance. And I know you're taking in like Bitcoin donations, Ethereum donations and things like that. So like, you know, what, what are some steps or some, some ways that the, uh, crypto community could assist you if we're like fans of your particular platform? Well, thank you so much for asking Stephen. Um, if you go to yang2020.com, you can see all of my policies laid out. Um, and if mm -hmm. you go to yank2020.com slash crypto, there's a way mm -hmm. to uh, contribute Bitcoin and Ether and other major cryptocurrencies to the campaign. Um, and the, the goal is to make this case to the American people that with advancing technologies, we need to rewrite the rules of the economy uh, from the ground up in service of humanity and our own goals and values. And that sounds like a very tall order, but we really, we really don't have a great set of choices in front of us because if we fail to adapt, we're going to see what happens to communities when 30% of the malls nationwide close, when the three and a half million truck drivers get sent home, when the five million workers that work in truck stops, motels, and diners around the country don't have truckers stopping there anymore, when the two and a half million call center workers get replaced by, by AI. Everything I'm saying is no longer speculative. I mean, you can just, you, the only thing you can speculate on is when it happens. Um, and the time frame is not that long. Mm -hmm. So I'm making the case that our government has become dangerously backwards on this set of issues and that I'm the man to advance both the government and society in the right direction and help imbue our society with a mindset of scarcity uh, from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance, which is one of the main things that I love about the cryptocurrency communities, because you all um, have moved to a mindset of abundance that makes you mm -hmm. all um, much more forward thinking and optimistic mm -hmm. uh, and eager to build things while much of the rest of the country is hunkering down and getting more anxious and concerned and negative and insular uh, and potentially, unfortunately, as a result, more racist and uh, misogynist and, uh, mm -hmm. and hateful towards people that are not like themselves. So, so this is the great big struggle for the, for the future of our country um, that I am embarking on and I, I'm so grateful to, to you both and for other people who've supported the campaign. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I will say that, you know, I, I don't know if this is, um, but we, we have some Silicon Valley heavyweights who are coming our way because I'm convinced oh, that yeah. this is a, 
uh, a good move. <laughs> and uh, um, I was just in Iowa. And I don't know if you guys have spent any time in Iowa, but I love Iowa. And it Iowa turns City? out they, re- they really like – I was in uh, Des Moines primarily. Ah, um, okay. But they really like the idea of getting $1,000 a month. <laughs> and it turns really? out. Yes, in they Iowa. really like it. We used to do it. Really like it. Um, and so if you get the Democrats of Iowa um, on your side, then there's a chance you can win the presidency. Um, so for anyone listening to this who wants to help, would love your support on this. Let's make this case together. Uh, you can just Google my name, Andrew Yang, or go to yang2020.com. But let's fight it out. Let's fight for the future. I love that. Those are those are really good points, Andrew. And I, and I like how you kind of closed out in there that, you know, right now you, the crypto community has like kind of had the advantage over the past few years of having this windfall of wealth, which enables a lot of the earlier adopters to have this mental free bandwidth to kind of like think about the future and postulate on what can happen and how we can play a part in helping things. And as financial instability and a lot of these other sort of like geopolitical issues like come to play and they're like echoed in, in the mainstream media and, and all that, it just like it, people who are already scared about their own financial stability and now they're fearful of other sort of like, you know, other political things and things that are echoed online and, you know, on social networks and et cetera. Like it's a, it could be a scary place, but to know that you have like the freedom or, or in the capability to have access to monies where necessary, that's like one less thing. You know, like kind of on your mind. And um, it, it could very well be kind of like a like kind of like this royal injection to kind of like get the get the American people thinking and trending in an appropriate direction again, but also to provide them a service that we really should have put it in place a long time ago. Yeah. Yes. And, and to to people listening to this, too. I mean, uh, this is going to help recognize women for the work that they do that society mm-hmm. does not recognize or reward or compensate this is going to help balance the scales for uh people of color and uh, Mm -hmm. underrepresented minorities who have less access Mm -hmm. to various opportunities um because a thousand dollars a month will go much further to who have less um so we can make the big move now together we can advance the country and eventually the species um and and having been now in this campaign for the last six months it's it's an incredible feeling. Um, it's the kind of feeling like you guys are actually familiar with this feeling of possibility and almost magic mm-hmm. um, that you've mm-hmm. seen in your own community. And sometimes you get together and like there's this um, that there's a sense that anything is possible. Um, mm-hmm. But I have been on this trail now and uh, people are so hungry for like a game changing um, type of solution um, and we we have the chance to make it real. Like I, I've been in these rooms in Iowa and seen their eyes sparkle and like you know, and their minds open to the possibilities. We can do it. Like it, it's like I I almost myself like you know I was just in Iowa last week and I came back with my team looking at we were looking at each other being like oh my gosh like we legitimately could change the course of history um, mm-hmm. and all we have to do is convince. You know, the, the raw numbers, we have to convince somewhere between um, uh, 40 and 50,000 Iowan Democrats, and then we can change history. It's not that undoable. I mean, if I put those numbers out to you, um, like that's actually a very achievable number. So mm-hmm. it, it's I, I just want to say that, like, you know, I'm super pumped up about the possibilities um, that I, I've become more exposed to over the last six months. Yeah, well, I have family well, in Iowa. I spend a lot of time out there, so I'll do my part. Let them know. Thank, Let them thank know about you, brother. You. Yeah, send them our way. Just send them to the website. And then 
when I come to their town, if they just sign up on the website, then we'll ping them, and then I'll end up in their living room because that's the way Iowa works. Damn, man. Andrew just shows up in your living room. Like he'll make you a nice glass of wine. He'll tell you how he's going to give you all sorts of free. It's a good time. It's love <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if, if, if you just click your heels together three times and say the phrase "universal basic income," it just happens. I just show up with a freaking glass of wine in my hand. <laughs> I like this guy. That's a man I can trust. <laughs> yes. I really love how you say we can vote ourselves in a dividend. Like we have that right. It's our system. We can do that if we want to. So, yes, yes, we can, man. We just got to make T-shirts with, with the, what that rapper said, just saying, like, I don't know who Andrew Yang is, but he wants to give me a thousand bucks a month. And then people be like, I'm down. Andrew Yang? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, I want his money. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. It's been, it's been very eye-opening to kind of like hear these discussions and to hear about someone who's kind of just really on the boots on the ground on the American people as we're seeking to build tools to provide people more financial freedom you're seeking to provide the political means to help aid in the policy that will give people more freedom so you know we need to co-opt and work together with, with kind people like yourself so thank you for coming on the show thank you for educating us on your platform and what your vision is for america and best of luck in your campaign and if you ever do become president i would hope that you would kindly come back if that's not against the law i don't know the rules with that in podcast <laughs> You know, there are no rules against that man, and I will come back um, when it's a sure thing that I'm going to win. I'll even beat my, my date to the White House. I'll come on twice. Once, oh, man. Once when it's clear I'm going to win, and then another time when I'm president. And then we'll have a party in the White House for the entire crypto community, because if I win, it's going to be in large part because you helped me win. Amazing. I yes, love I love that. that. I need to turn up at the White House. I'm going to do everything. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your help, Andrew. You have have an amazing weekend, and thank you for your exuberance and your passion. And again, best of luck to you, man. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend.